1998, New Zealand journalist Stephen Davis contacted a former MI6 agent named Richard Tomlinson. He was working on a story and needed his input. To avoid having their messages intercepted, the men chose to meet in person. So Agent Tomlinson hopped on a plane in the UK headed for New Zealand. He knew the long trip would be worth it. He had an even bigger story for the reporter, one that needed to be handled delicately and responsibly. When the pair finally met, the former spy asked Davis if he'd heard about the MS Estonia tragedy. At the time, all the reporter knew was it was one of the deadliest European shipwrecks of the century. That's when Tomlinson handed the journalist a file detailing the incident. He said that agents from MI6 used the passenger cruise ferry for a smuggling operation. With that, he encouraged Davis to investigate things further. For years, there had been rumors that MS Estonia was involved in a secret military plot, but there wasn't much to back it up until that meeting between Tomlinson and Davis. If the former agent was telling the truth, it could answer major questions about the disaster, like why the ship was never salvaged from the ocean or why a Swedish investigator burned evidence related to the tragedy. More importantly, new insight might reveal what was being smuggled on the ship and exactly how the operation went wrong. Welcome to Conspiracy Theories, a Spotify original from ParCast. Every Monday and Wednesday, we dig into the complicated stories behind the world's most controversial events and search for the truth. I'm Carter Roy. And I'm Molly Brandenburg. And neither of us are conspiracy theorists. But we are open-minded, skeptical, and curious. Don't get us wrong. Sometimes the official version is the truth. But sometimes it's not. You can find episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. This is our second episode on the 1994 sinking of cruise ferry MS Estonia. The tragedy claimed 852 lives, making it one of Europe's deadliest shipwrecks of the 20th century. An official investigation by Swedish Estonian and Finnish authorities blamed the accident on the vessel's bow visor breaking off, but survivors later came forward with conflicting testimonies. Today, we'll look at three conspiracy theories surrounding MS Estonia's final voyage. First, we'll examine the possibility that Captain Avo Pitt may have survived the wreck. Then, we'll examine whether the cruise ferry was smuggling Russian weapons to the West. Finally, we'll see if the Accident Commission lied in its final report to cover up the truth about the catastrophe. We have all that and more coming up. Stay with us. We got another day of NBA action. And with FanDuel, every night is a watch party. So it's time for your FanDuel crew to make their bets. So, what's the move tonight, gang? You know that new customers who bet $5 get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Woohoo! We're heating up, fam. Bet all the stars with all your friends and make every moment more only on FanDuel. 
New customers bet $5, get $200 back in bonus bets if you win. Make every moment more with FanDuel. It goes down in the field. It go down. It go down in the field. 21 plus and present in Virginia. First online real money wager only. $10 first deposit required. Bonus issued is non-withdrawable bonus bets that expire seven days after receipt. See full terms at FanDuel.com slash sportsbook. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. I'm Samantha Cole, host of the new season of Understood, The Pornhub Empire. Over the course of four episodes, I'll tell you how a horny YouTube knockoff in Canada came to dominate the porn world, only to shatter their cheeky reputation in a massive scandal. The Pornhub Empire is a new season of Understood from the CBC. Available now wherever you get your podcasts. Hello, lover of things that go bump in the night. This is Dan Cummins. And I'm Lindsay Cummins. And we co-host the paranormal horror podcast, Scared to Death. Are shadow people real? What about demonic possessions? Poltergeist activity? Do you believe in ghosts? Malevolent entities? Are aliens real? Could you be abducted? We don't know. But what we do know is that we have over 230 episodes of stories on our podcast, Scared to Death, exploring all of the possibilities. Each week, we share several supposedly true stories that have been gathered from around the world and submissions from our own fans of allegedly true tales. Curious about the paranormal? Just like a spooky story? Do you need more fear to fuel you through your long work days? Come join us. New episodes of Scared to Death are released every Tuesday night. Listen wherever you get your podcasts. We hope you end up scared to death. It was about 10 p.m. on September 27th, 1994, the night of the MS Estonia's final voyage. Estonian captains Arvo Andresen and Avo Pitt met with the helmsman on duty. They debated how they wanted to navigate the storm they were heading toward. If you recall from our last episode, the cruise ferry was running about an hour behind schedule. Delays caused all kinds of problems, business people ran late for meetings, and passengers missed connecting flights and trains. The holdup would reflect poorly on the shipping line. Which is why both captains agreed they'd keep sailing at full speed. Right after, Pitt left the bridge, probably to get some sleep. It seems that was the last time anyone on the crew saw him but others claimed they'd spotted Pitt after the event. Which brings us to our first conspiracy theory. Captain Avo Pitt survived the tragedy, but went into hiding later, perhaps to avoid prosecution. Before we dive in further, we want to offer a little exposition leading up to everyone's final moments aboard the MS Estonia before the ship went down. When the cruise ferry started sinking, Pitt wasn't on duty. The ship was actually being helmed by 40-year-old Captain Arvo Andresen. Originally, Andresen had been paired with a Swedish captain. They worked together for six months, shuttling back and forth between Sweden and Estonia. But over time, the two butted heads. Eventually, Andresen's Swedish co-captain quit, and he was replaced by another experienced seaman. Captain Avo Pitt. Pitt was a promising young captain. He'd achieved the rank young, by many standards, at age 29. This was after studying in Estonia and the Naval Academy in modern-day St. Petersburg. When he was assigned to the cruise ferry in 1993, he was excited to co-captain the country's biggest ship. 
He seemed to fit right in with his new crew and quickly picked up the Swedish language. During MS Estonia's last trip, Pitt was in the middle of his winter exam, which was conducted mid-trip. Now and then, crew members were tested on their sailing abilities to ensure they could execute voyages. At 5 a.m. on September 28, 1994, Pitt was scheduled to be quizzed on things like the lighthouse locations and the islands in the Stockholm archipelago. He'd also have to show he could dodge the reefs and rocks on the way to their final destination. But Pitt wouldn't get the chance to prove his skills because around midnight, passengers heard a loud metal-on-metal sound. The MS Estonia was underwater within the hour. Co-Captain Andresen was confirmed to have died in the accident. But Pitt was another story. No one could agree on whether the captain was dead or alive. There were several unofficial internet forums that claimed a few survivors saw the captain after the boat went down. Let us preface this by saying the following information comes from Reddit threads and other questionable websites because some of the claims have only intensified the mystery surrounding the cruise ferry over the years. And maybe that's by design. For example, one site mentioned Captain Pitt was seen assisting passengers into life vests on the seventh deck before the ship sank. This is despite the fact that some reports claimed Pitt wasn't seen again after his last meeting with Andresen. According to the same site, Pitt was rescued by a Swedish helicopter, as reported by a morning Estonian news radio program. And on September 30th, the chief of security for the Swedish Department of Water Transportation allegedly said he spoke with Pitt himself post-rescue. Even stranger, a few days after the tragedy, Pitt's family members claimed they actually saw him on TV. While his wife and son didn't go into detail, we can presume they might have noticed Pitt in the background of some news coverage, because from what we can tell, he was never formally interviewed. But if that was the case, he seemingly chose not to reach out to his family afterwards to confirm he was alive. Apparently, that wasn't a stretch to Pitt's wife. She claimed in an interview with The Independent, quote, This is not the first time he has gone away for a long time especially because the week after the tragedy, a New York Times article listed Pitt as one of the 140 confirmed survivors. He was believed to be receiving treatment at a hospital in Helsinki, Finland. Estonian Transport and Communications Minister Andy Meister said Pitt's odds of survival were slim, but he also acknowledged that the captain could have survived. And if he did, he had good reason to go into hiding. In hindsight, it's obvious the captains made a critical mistake by sailing full speed ahead in the middle of a storm, a decision that may have ultimately resulted in the tragedy. And if Pitt had survived, he would have been the sole bearer of this blame, especially with Anderson gone. There's a good chance Pitt would have been hounded by authorities and potentially prosecuted for his role in what transpired. Even if he avoided prosecution, he likely wouldn't land another job at sea. 
not to mention the victim's families, might have been banging down his door or drowning him in lawsuits. But this theory is extremely tenuous. There wasn't any concrete evidence that Pitt actually made it out alive. There's no records of the TV footage his family members claimed to see. And the New York Times article could have been mistaken. There was a lot of confusion in the hours right after the tragedy. Passengers' family members were told their loved ones survived, only to later find they hadn't, and vice versa. Maybe Pitt's case was the same. Besides, if he was alive, someone surely would have spotted him in the last 20-plus years, don't you think? Yeah, I agree. Although Pitt had reasons to go into hiding, the much more likely scenario is that he passed away alongside the hundreds of other victims. And the reports we heard were probably nothing more than rumors or a case of mistaken identity. Well, those rumors didn't stop with Pitt. Following the tragedy, a group of Baltic authorities known as the Accident Investigation Commission conducted a detailed review of the shipwreck. They released a report with their findings in 1997. However, several witnesses came forward saying the report wasn't adding up. They had conflicting accounts about the ship's final moments. And despite their pleas for a second assessment, the government didn't follow up right away. The committee's behavior seemed suspicious to survivors and the victim's loved ones. Were investigators trying to hide something? Well, after the release of a bombshell report, that seemed a lot more likely. In 2005, investigative journalist Stephen Davis published a piece claiming British, Estonian, and Swedish military intelligence used the MS Estonia in a covert operation to transport military equipment, putting all of those innocent lives at risk. Coming up, a port worker recalls suspicious activity aboard the MS Estonia. Listeners, in honor of May, being Missing and Unidentified Persons Awareness Month, Parcast is presenting a new collection of captivating stories you do not want to miss. On Disappearances, Sarah Turney examines the disturbing crimes linked to the Highway of Tears and the Bethesda Home for Girls. Plus, she welcomes the founders of the Black and Missing Foundation for a special discussion. Catch these episodes starting May 4th. Then, on Solved Murders, discover three no-body homicide cases rife with cons, conspiracies, and conflicting statements. The Solved Murders special, The Missing Dead, starts May 17th. Follow Disappearances and Solved Murders to hear all of these episodes all month long. Listen free, only on Spotify. Now, back to the story. In 2005, 11 years after the MS Estonia shipwreck, journalist Stephen Davis published an article for a UK magazine called New Statesman. It claimed British, Estonian, and Swedish military intelligence used the cruise ferry to transport military weapons, which could have put innocent lives at risk. This was a major claim, and if it were true, it meant the detail was omitted from the official investigation conducted by the Accident Commission. Which brings us to our second conspiracy theory. Baltic authorities covered up details about the MS Estonia on the night it sank 
because it was carrying military-grade weapons. Journalist Stephen Davis spilled it all in a 2020 Discovery Plus docuseries called Estonia. He claimed a former MI6 agent named Richard Tomlinson tipped him off to the nefarious activity on the vessel. What we didn't mention before was that Tomlinson was dismissed from the agency in the mid-90s under mysterious circumstances, which, depending on how you look at it, could make him less or more credible. We'll let you be the judge of that. Well, when journalist Stephen Davis met with Tomlinson in 1998, he felt he should take him seriously. The former spy handed Davis a file about the MS Estonia and said the ship was part of a smuggling operation gone awry. As the journalist took a closer look, he realized why the small Baltic country would have been in cahoots with the British on a smuggling operation. In the early 90s, the Soviet Union dissolved after its president, Mikhail Gorbachev, stepped down. That meant Estonia and its Baltic neighbors were now free from communist rule. And since Estonia was no longer a Soviet republic, it was easier for people to travel in and out of the nation, especially because its coastal location made it convenient for visitors to arrive by ferry. And to accommodate the influx of people coming and going, the country needed bigger ships, like MS Estonia. But here's where we get back to those missiles. While common folks were enjoying the freedoms of traveling abroad, Baltic officials were busy shutting down old Soviet military bases in their territory. And the Baltics had to figure out what to do with all the discarded weapons. Inevitably, some of the abandoned Soviet arsenal ended up in the hands of Western countries. There was just one small problem. Russia considered those to be stolen goods. Some officials felt like the old Soviet arsenals still belonged to them. But that didn't seem to bother the Estonians. They seemed happy to sell them to Western nations because they were eager to forge relations with countries like the UK. After all, they could help defend the Baltic nation if Russia ever threatened its sovereignty. But according to Stephen Davis, the Estonians weren't just pawning off old Russian military equipment. As part of its national defense system, Estonia also wanted to start an intelligence agency of their own, their version of the CIA or MI6. Because the newly independent Baltic state didn't have much experience with bureaucracy, they requested help from the British. Soon, the Estonian and Swedish intelligence agencies joined forces with the UK's MI6. Together, they got British and Swedish spies in and out of Russia to shuttle military secrets as well as more weapons and cargo. Some of those goods may have been put on a ship in Tallinn headed for Stockholm. Tallinn to Stockholm, you'll recall, is the route taken by the MS Estonia. Russia seemed well aware of what was happening and allegedly issued two warnings. In 1993, through diplomatic channels, they told Estonian authorities they knew the ship was being used to transport their military equipment and instructed them to stop. But the Estonians seemed to ignore the memo, prompting Russia to send another warning shortly before the shipwreck in 1994. This time, the Russians reached out to the MI6. They threatened consequences if the agency continued its smuggling operations. 
Afterwards, the question on some people's minds was, did the Russians do something to sabotage the MS Estonia? Baltic authorities downplayed the rumors as kooky conspiracy theories. The head of the Accident Investigation Commission, Uno Lauer, eventually went so far as to say, quote, the cargo could have had no connection with the accident. For years, there was no evidence to corroborate whether Russia staged an attack on the MS Estonia or whether there were even military weapons or cargo on board to begin with. Then, a decade after the ship sank, journalist Lars Bornjas received an email from a man named Leonard Henriksen. Henriksen was the chief of customs at Stockholm's Vardahamnen port, where the MS Estonia docked. He asked to see Bornjas in person so he could share some important information about the disaster. Henriksen claimed that a few weeks before MS Estonia's final voyage, he was summoned for a meeting with the regional chief of customs in Stockholm. The regional chief said there would be vehicles coming into the port soon, and they'd be cleared to enter the premises without being searched. He claimed it was an order, quote, from the very top. The first of these vehicles arrived on September 14, 1994, two weeks before the tragedy. When it entered the port, Henriksen went down to the ferry terminal and watched a driver pull into the ship's car deck. Although he wasn't supposed to search the car, Henriksen tried to catch a glimpse of the truck's contents as it left the ship. He noticed some boxes appeared to contain military electronics. A week later, Henriksen was notified of another vehicle authorized to go through without being checked. This car was much larger than the previous one and appeared to hold twice as many items. Once again, Henriksen snuck a peek and saw the same military equipment as the truck was leaving. The following week, Henriksen was out of town on holiday. Since he wasn't at the port when MS Estonia set sail for the last time, he didn't know if there would be any incoming military goods or rather items he should let pass through during that time, but it seemed within the realm of possibility. His account was shocking. It was rare and lethal for authorities to use a civilian passenger ferry to smuggle military belongings. Former Swedish Member of Parliament Lars Ungström called it unacceptable. The public shared his concern. In 2005, they finally pressured authorities enough to reinvestigate the cause of the MS Estonia sinking. This time, Estonia and Sweden launched separate inquiries. The Estonian task force was chaired by the former state prosecutor, Margus Korm. And initially, Swedish officials agreed to cooperate with him. But as Korm dug deeper, he said the Swedes started sending mixed messages. Without their cooperation, he lacked sufficient evidence to prove MS Estonia had been transporting military cargo the night it sank. Meanwhile, the Swedish investigation was led by Johan Hirschfeld. He identified two nights, September 14th and 20th, 1994, in which the Swedish army allegedly used the cruise ferry to smuggle equipment. These were the same nights Leonard Henriksen said he saw the military vehicles. But investigator Hirschfeld claimed the items were non-explosive electronics, not weapons. 
Because the cargo is confidential, Hirschfeld said he would only share the nature of the contents with the Swedish Minister of Defense. And ultimately, Hirschfeld denied the claim that any military operations took place aboard the MS Estonia during its final voyage. But here's where things get strange. When members of parliament asked to see the evidence he'd gathered, Hirschfeld said he'd burned it. That struck Swedish member of parliament Lars Ungström as highly unusual. As far as he knew, never in the country's history had a government investigator burned evidence after completing an inquiry. He speculated that someone, likely from the Swedish armed forces, had instructed Hirschfeld to get rid of it. The fishy nature of Hirschfeld's investigation fueled the theory that MS Estonia was smuggling weapons the night it sank. And if that was the case, Russia would have been motivated to sink the ship. After all, the Russians had already warned Estonian authorities and British intelligence to stop the operation, or else there'd be consequences. The rumor that MS Estonia smuggled Russian weapons gained even more credibility in 2020 after Discovery Plus released a docuseries called Estonia. Survivors told documentarian Henrik Evertsen they remembered seeing military vehicles boarding the cruise ferry. One of those witnesses was Sara Hadrinius. After Sara boarded the ship, she went to a deck to wave goodbye to her dad before setting sail. There, she had a view of the parking lot. That's when she spotted at least two green military vehicles flanked by a few motorcycles. She remembered one of the cars had a large canopy with a tarp over it. She then watched as the vehicles were escorted onto the cruise ferry. The MS Estonia was prepped for departure shortly after. While these first-hand accounts don't confirm the cruise ferry was transporting military cargo on the night of its final voyage, here's what we do know for certain. Military goods were smuggled on the MS Estonia on September 14th and 20th, 1994. Those dates are about a week apart. September 20th is also a week before the MS Estonia set sail for the last time. If the operation was on a weekly schedule, then the timing lines up. So while we may not have concrete proof to confirm this theory, I wouldn't rule it out. The suspicious activity that took place around the tragedy suggests Swedish officials had a reason to hide the truth. And even though the Accident Commission spent three years investigating the events, their findings might not paint the full picture. Coming up, how Baltic authorities may have lied about the shipwreck. Now back to the story. For years, the only thing we knew about the MS Estonia shipwreck came from the Accident Commission, composed of Swedish, Finnish, and Estonian investigators. And based on what we've already heard in this episode, there was reason to doubt some of their conclusions. So let's cut to the chase with our third conspiracy theory. The Commission lied about what caused the boat to sink. The Accident Commission spent three years studying the shipwreck before sharing its analysis in December 1997. Here's what they reported. On September 27, 1994, at about 11.55 p.m. Swedish time, passengers and crew on the MS Estonia heard a bang. 
Five minutes later, the locks holding down the front hatch of the ship, or bow visor, stopped working. While the MS Estonia was at sea, the bow visor and the raised vehicle loading ramp were the only things separating the inside of the vessel from the stormy waters of the Baltic. So if their locking mechanisms failed, water could easily flow in. At that point, passengers and sailors heard the sound of metal grating on metal. By 12.14 a.m., the bow visor had detached from the rest of the boat. The loading ramp failed next, completely exposing the ferry to the heavy waves from the storm. Water gushed in, flooding the lower deck and affecting the ship's balance. Within a minute, the ship tilted 15 degrees to the starboard side. To recenter the vessel, sailors directed the MS Estonia to face the winds in the opposite direction, the port side. Despite their best efforts, the ship found itself in greater danger. By 12.20 a.m., the ferry's engines went out and the boat was traveling at a 30-degree list. Four minutes later, the MS Estonia sent out a mayday call for emergency assistance. The next hour ended in devastating tragedy. The ship sank as rescue efforts were made to reel survivors out of the frigid Baltic Sea. Problem was, not all of the survivors agreed with the details. The commission claimed the MS Estonia didn't start tilting until 12.14 a.m., but some survivors remembered that happening around midnight. And once the ship started listing, loose objects slid toward the starboard side. A passenger named Mikael Ohn had a photo of his alarm clock that stopped when the MS Estonia started listing. The tilt was so extreme that his clock fell and had its battery knocked out. The time in the picture read 12.02 a.m., 12 minutes earlier than authorities claimed in their report. So if authorities managed to get the basic timeline of events wrong, what else could they have been mistaken about? unintentionally or not, in their report. Here's one detail that caught the eye of Lars Ungström, that Swedish parliament member. Images of the shipwreck on the sea floor showed the railings from the loading ramp, and they appeared to be intentionally sawed off. To Ungström, that indicated someone, perhaps a national army, attempted to go inside the cargo deck after the boat sank. If there were military secrets aboard the cruise ferry, then there was good reason to break in and take them. But when Ungström voiced his concerns in parliamentary hearings, the Swedish minister overseeing the case said there were no grounds for another inspection. In Ungström's eyes, her response, or lack thereof, was a sign the government wasn't interested in finding answers. The truth about MS Estonia's demise grew more interesting after a 1999 investigation by the Meyer Werft shipyard. They blamed the tragedy on explosives that had detonated on the vessel. Other studies gave even more credence to this theory. After testing pieces of metal from the ship's car ramp, one group of researchers claimed they'd been subjected to, quote, high detonation velocity from explosives such as Semtex or hexacomposite. But even after that revelation, Swedish authorities still refused to conduct another inspection of the shipwreck. So the MS Estonia remained largely untouched until 2019, 
when documentarian Henrik Evertsen led an expedition to examine the vessel's remains. In the wake of the tragedy, the Swedish, Estonian, and Finnish governments banned visitors to the shipwreck. They considered it the final resting place of victims. But Evertsen had chartered a boat from Germany, which wasn't a party to the agreement. Plus, they were in international waters. From his perspective, Baltic officials didn't have the authority to stop him. Yet, when Evertsen's boat, the Fritz Reuter, approached the site, they ran into a problem. A Finnish naval boat was stationed directly over the remains. Unless they agreed to move, it would be impossible to get a closer look at the sunken MS Estonia. A tense back and forth ensued over the ship's radios. Moments later, the ship finally agreed to move, allowing Evertsen to inspect the cruise ferry's remains. For years, officials downplayed any rumors the ship was actually doomed by a hole in its hull. But when Evertsen sent a diving robot down to capture images of the sunken ship, he found such a hole. It was located on the vessel's starboard side, same side the boat was listing from during its final moments. Evertsen showed his findings to Jorgen Amdahl, a professor of marine technology at the Norwegian University of Science and Technology, or NTNU. The researchers specialized in analyzing ship collisions. After studying the footage, Amdahl believed the hole may have been at least partly responsible for Estonia's sinking. The better question was, what could have caused such a large puncture? Based on Amdahl's estimates, it would take about 500 to 600 tons of force colliding with the Estonia to puncture the ship like that. That meant the vessel couldn't have been sunk by a small object floating in the water. Even if the ship's bow visor snapped off and crashed into the side, that wouldn't generate enough power to pierce the boat so severely. One survivor said he saw something in the water strike the boat. Passenger Carl Reintom claimed he was standing on the promenade deck looking out at the sea when he spotted, quote, something white that was several meters long and wide, and it was moving to the left while waves were rolling over it. To Amdahl, it sounded like Reintom may have seen a submarine. The professor looked up some numbers and determined that a collision between a ULA-class submarine and the MS Estonia could have generated enough force to create the puncture. The question I'm now wondering is, who owned that submarine, and was it an intentional strike? If you're wondering, you wouldn't be alone. Evertsen showed his footage and Amdahl's analysis to Estonian former state prosecutor Margus Korm. As we mentioned earlier, Korm had been stonewalled by Swedish authorities when he led an Estonian investigation of the disaster. Korm called the new findings a game-changer, and believed it would force the Estonian government to reopen the investigation once and for all. In 2021, survivors finally got their wish. The governments of Estonia, Sweden, and Finland launched a new joint investigation into the MS Estonia. It's currently underway and expected to wrap up in 2024. In January 2023, they shared a preliminary report that still blamed the bow visor, not the hole in the ship's hull, for the disaster. According to René Erikus, the director of the Estonian Safety Investigation Bureau, 
The hole in the ship's hull probably occurred after the boat sank and struck the seabed. But the investigators stressed that their report was preliminary. Things could change by the time they finished their inquiry. Even once they are done inspecting the shipwreck, I'm not sure I'll trust the government's conclusions. If the MS Estonia's last voyage was a smuggling operation gone awry, authorities still have a good reason to cover it up. Given all the compelling evidence Evertson presented, I'm tempted to agree with you. But I'm going to hold off on making any final judgments until the new investigation wraps up. After all, thanks to the 2020 docuseries, authorities are now under a lot of pressure to tell the truth and consider survivors' testimonies. Hopefully, the new investigation is conducted with more transparency so survivors and the victims next of kin can have some closure. For nearly three decades, they've had to deal with conspiracy theories that make it harder to move on. Take Harald Setsas. Since the tragedy, every fall fills him with a sense of unrest as he's reminded of losing his young son, Hjorand, in the accident. In the 2020 docuseries, Setsas said, I feel like I've been subjected to two forms of abuse. One being the boat sinking and losing my son, and the other when Swedish authorities decided to leave the boat where it is. To this day, the MS Estonia hasn't been salvaged. It still lies at the bottom of the Baltic Sea. But we're confident that one day, the truth will surface. Thanks for tuning in to Conspiracy Theories. You can find all episodes of Conspiracy Theories and all other Spotify originals from Parcast for free on Spotify. Of the many sources we used, we found the 2020 Discovery Plus docuseries Estonia to be helpful to our research. We're here on Mondays and Wednesdays with all new episodes. Until then, remember, the truth isn't always the best story. And the official story isn't always the truth. Conspiracy Theories is a Spotify original from Parcast. Our head of programming is Julian Boireau. Our supervising sound designer is Russell Nash, with Nick Johnson as our head of production and Spencer Howard as our post-production supervisor. Quality control by Lisa Marie Gallegos. Ryan O'Leary-Jones is our supervising editor, and Derek Jennings is our writing lead. This episode of Conspiracy Theories was written by Ben Hanani, edited by Wendelin Sobroso and Lori Marinelli, fact-checked by Bennett Logan, researched by Sapphire Williams, recorded by Alex Button, produced by Bruce Kotovich, and sound designed by Carrie Murphy. Our hosts are Molly Brandenburg and me, Carter Roy. <laughs> <laughs>